Well, good morning one more time, Victory Midtown. I know I've been asking you to clap your hands a lot, but can we this time clap our hands for Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Some of us are giving a little patty cake. Can we just hold, 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 I want to let y'all know something. I try hard to walk up here and just say, welcome to Victory. But when I think about the goodness of Jesus... And every single thing he has done for me, there is something that comes out of me that I can't help but to give him praise. I can't help but to give him honor. And so if you're like me and you're grateful that you made it here this morning, that you didn't get in an accident on your way to church this morning, that you stepped out of your bed, you could even step out of your bed, that you could take a breath right now and understand that all that have breath, let me praise the Lord. Come on, if you can do better than that, give God praise if he is worthy of your adoration, if he is worthy of your praise. Come on, God is good, y'all. God is good. He is good and worthy to be praised. I don't do that out of form or fashion. I don't do that just to go through the motions. I know how good God has been to me. And I believe we know how good God has been to us as well. Listen, I want to say again a a very special welcome to everyone. Uh, I want to speak specifically to those who are in the overflow right now. Thank y'all so much for coming to church, for being those who would say, hey, even if I don't get in the main sanctuary, I'm not leaving, I'm not moving because I'm not here for people, I'm here for God. And so in the room, can we put our hands together for those who are in the overflow outside? We thank God for you. Overflow, make some noise so we can hear you. Make some noise. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, it is so good to see everyone today. We've been journeying, and I use that word very intentionally. We've been journeying uh, in this time where we are really believing that God spoke to us as a leadership team and said that he wants to take us as a body of believers to a deeper place. And when we say he wants to take us to a deeper place, what we're not saying is that it's this kind of ethereal, super spiritual thing that you don't understand what's going on. You're floating on the cloud. What we're saying is that we believe that God wants to fortify us. Say fortify us. That he wants to build us up. Say build us up. He wants to fortify us. He wants to build us up so that we have a solid foundation. And I believe that that foundation is very much needed because if you just look around, if you open your eyes, if you go on your Twitter, your Instagram, or Facebook feed, whatever it is, you would know that in some ways people would say that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But how about we have good news? We have good news that we serve a God, that we serve Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior who gave us a promise that there will be some things that happen in this world that are not good, but his promise is that he gives us peace as we walk through them. And so as we've been navigating through this series, uh, as we even started uh, a couple weeks ago, this series called Blessed, what we are doing is we're starting by walking through what we would call Jesus' manifesto for how to live. This first set of the Sermon on the Mount, the first set of things that he spoke were the Beatitudes. They were the blessed are you statements of Jesus that says, if you will do these things, you will be blessed. Say blessed. Blessed. And so a lot of times we say the word blessed and we misappropriate it. But as we're walking through this, I really want you to lean into what God is saying today because I really believe God wants to change some lives. He wants to change some hearts. He wants to change everything about us. And so as we go through this today, uh, I want to just kind of do a quick review of what we've talked about. But even in doing a quick review, uh, the Lord kind of paused me before I could even get into the preparation of my notes, speaking about the Beatitudes. See, when I read the Bible and when I read words, God kind of slows me down and allows me to see the words on the inside of the words. And so even when you look at the word Beatitude, 
I believe if we can get this, Lord just kind of nudged me and said, Mo, I believe these Beatitudes are the attitudes that I want to become your default. The Beatitudes are the attitudes, the way of living, the way of thinking, that if you can get this deep down in your spirit, this becomes your default. So you're not freaking out when stuff happens. You understand that you're equipped to walk this out because you've walked through and developed the character of God. And so the first week we kind of talked about from a foundational level, blessed are the poor in spirit. And very quickly, what we said about being blessed as the poor in spirit, we said we made the admission that I can do nothing without God. Even while I took time before I even got into the message to just give God praise, not because someone asked me to, but because I know that I could not do this on my own. I know I can't take a breath on my own. And so when we understand that we are the poor in spirit, we have a dependency on God. The second week we talked about blessed are those who mourn. And we took intentional time to do something that we really don't like to do, and that's to slow down and face pain. It's to slow down and invite God into your pain. Understand that when you invite him in, when you reveal it, he can heal it. And so we took some time even to go through some of the customs of the Jewish people to understand how to navigate through that. And then last week, our senior pastor, Pastor Johnson, preached right here from Victory Midtown to all of our campuses and around the world. And he ministered on blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And one of the main statements he made is that Meekness is not weakness. I like to say it like this. I like to say humility, which is meekness as well, humility is strength under control. Let me take it one step further. I like to say it like this. Humility is the recognition that I have the juice, but I know where the juice comes from. That I don't get it twisted that I'm doing it. That I don't get it twisted that I'm the one that's producing goodness in my life. And today, somebody say today. Today. We're going to be walking into the beatitude that I believe, number one, cannot be uh, reached if you don't get the first three. But then it also affects the next three after this. And it's this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, as soon as I say that, I want to let you know, in case you didn't know, that's good news. That's the gospel truth. But sometimes what I believe happens is that we don't get excited or as excited as we should about this scripture as we do with some others. Now, if I was to remix this and give you kind of my version of the Bible and I said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after a raise on their job and it shall happen, some of us would be running down to the altar, running around the whole place. Or if I said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the perfect companion, and they shall poof, show up as Mr. and Mr. Right, some of y'all will be pushing some people out the way and welcoming others. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something so much more important. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that presents this promise, listen to this, of being fulfilled. Fulfilled. And so with that being said, this message uh, has burdened my heart, has burdened my spirit. Anytime I really feel like God really wants to do something significant, my wife knows that I'm very quiet around the house. I'm kind of praying and navigating. And so I'm going to invite you into my prayer for a moment so that we can all get this. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for this encounter today. Father, our prayer is that we don't want to remain the same after we hear this. 
Gone are the days of just going to church and checking off the box and coming to see who we'll see and who's going to show up. Father, we know that you are here, and we thank you that you are the one who sustains us. So, Father, my prayer is that I decrease, that you increase, that all that comes out is truly from you, and that we're not just hearers, but we're doers of the word also. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So the last several weeks, we've been kind of navigating through some things that are really not the sexy things to talk about. We've been really looking into our helplessness. We've been looking into our weakness as individuals. We've been looking into our poverty as a people. And if we're honest, those are not the things we really want to deal with. But today, as we get into verse 6 of chapter 5, we kind of take a turn. Because we take this term from not talking about these frail things or these things that sometimes are sensitive to talk about. Today, we're actually going to jump into how do we operate in being fulfilled with this great promise from God, walking in the great quality of life from God. And so I want you to hear something. This is not in your notes, but I want to just kind of read this statement to you. If you would, go ahead and write it down, put it in your notes, because I believe it's helpful. Matthew 5 and 6 is a declaration for every seeking soul that longs to experience true satisfaction, purpose, fulfillment, watch this, that can only be found in Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. Matthew 5 and 6 is a declaration for every seeking soul that longs to experience true satisfaction, not fake satisfaction, purpose and fulfillment, which can only be found in Jesus. I believe that Victory Midtown is a very honest church. And so I want to ask this question. Have you ever kind of navigated through life, even when things are going good and sometimes even when they're going bad, have you ever kind of asked God or said to yourself, there has to be more to life than this? Yeah, yeah, I know that I'm I'm happy. I'm praising God because I have breath in my body, but I really wish that life would look a little better than what it looks like right now. I'm walking through. I have this job. I might even be making six figures right now, but I'm miserable. I'm going to church and I'm having these great experiences, but I still leave these experiences wanting something more. Has anybody ever said that I believe that there has to be more than this? And so I believe if we can be honest about this, if we're for real, for real, if we're really honest with ourselves, if we take off the church face, what we'll understand is that many of us, we've been seemingly going after this kind of insatiable destination for satisfaction. We've really been looking for love in all the wrong places. We've been looking for satisfaction in places that do us no good. But for some of us, it's not even so extreme. For some of us, it's church. You know, we come for experience after experience. You go to every conference. You sign up for every webinar. Some of y'all, you know, I understand, and there's no shade. I understand revival is breaking out at Asbury College in Kentucky. Some of y'all spent, spent it all, blew the bag to drive down to Kentucky because you wanted to be in the house while forsaking your prayer time at your own house. We're chasing things that really don't fulfill us, searching for the eternal and temporary things. For some of us, it might not be the church experience. It may be you saying, no matter how much I drink, no matter how many lines I sniff, no matter how many pills I pop, no matter how many specialty drinks I stand and, and at the bar with, no matter how many things I get nipped and tucked, I'm still feeling unfulfilled. And if we're really honest, God is looking at us like, I got the answer. But a lot of times we don't want to take him up on that prescription. 
Why is this? Is because, again, as I said, we oftentimes are looking to try to fill our heavenly appetite with something that's temporary. And today, I believe that I came with an assignment to actually drive us past this temporary fulfillment and move into the actual fulfillment of what God says is the promise through his word. And so as we get into this, I want to really answer some questions. I, one, want to answer the question, how do we get into this promise? Because, again, before I run past this too fast, every one of these Beatitudes, it's a promise. It's God saying, if you will do this, this will happen. And so you don't have to play Russian roulette. You don't have to throw any dice. You don't have to try to figure it out. He's saying you can take it to the bank. And so this word, even this particular verse, verse 6, is very plainly written out to us. As a matter of fact, I would say it like this. It's actually simple, but it's not easy. It's simple because he writes it out right here as a prescription. But we would say it's not easy because it's hard to even do the right thing sometimes, even when you know it's right. Can I get an honest church in the house? Some of y'all looking at me like, I am not budging right now. (laughs) So I want to explain something. One of the things that I believe is our challenge in society, and I'm going to kind of talk broad for a moment, is that many times we've prioritized the wrong things. We've prioritized things that are not bad for us, but we put the cart before the horse. What we've done a lot of times is that even as we look at this word blessed, we've defined every week and said blessed is makarios in Greek. It means happy, fortunate. And so even the Cliff Notes version of this scripture that Jesus has given us, it would say this, blessed, happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let me say it one more time. Blessed, meaning happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They are the true happy people. But I want to say this. I want you to hear this. The thing that is out of order is that the whole world is searching for happiness. As a matter of fact, you know, I want to ask this question. I want to take a poll. How many people in here want to be happy by a show of hands? It's not a trick question. It's not a trick question. It's nothing wrong with being happy. But if we're really honest, the pursuit of happiness is the original thirst trap. The whole world is trying to get happy, going and passing things of substance, trying to just gain this happiness for ourselves. And what we need to know is that there's nothing wrong with being happy, but if you go and put happiness before righteousness, you will always be searching and you will never be fulfilled. And so I want to just kind of break something down for us. Because the reality of what I'm saying is that many times what we do is that we chase symptoms instead of dealing with the source. Several years ago, I remember when I traveled a lot. I was traveling like two and three times a week on planes all the time. And I remember we had this big international trip uh, coming up. And all of a sudden, uh, my back started acting up. It's like my sciatica started just uh, flailing up, and all the things were breaking down. And I felt like I couldn't do anything. If anybody knows me, if I'm not able to do all that I can, I'm very active. I like to move. I feel a little undone. And so I went to the chiropractor, and I remember going to the chiropractor, and I said, Doc, you know, you know, adjust me, you know, crack my back, you know, put the little stimulator on my back, do whatever you need to do, I need to get right. And so I did that for about two or three visits. And about that fourth visit, I remember the doctor, the chiropractor, kind of slowing down and asking me the question. He said, how much water have you been drinking? And I said, you know, to be very honest, I actually haven't been drinking as much water as I usually would or as I should. And he said, instead of me prescribing you an anti-inflammatory, instead of me prescribing you something that's going to take the pain away, I want to prescribe you to now go drink a whole lot of water. 
I want you to start to drink at least a gallon a day, and you can do more if you can. And so I started to do that, and as I started to do that, I started to notice that some things were self-correcting. I went to, back to the chiropractor, and while he still adjusted me and did all those things, I felt like everything was new. I was good. And what he told me then, he said, I'm glad that you came in. I'm glad that you allowed me to go through these things, but you were trying to treat the symptom instead of actually treat the source of dehydration. See, because I was dehydrated, the disc in my back, they weren't operating the way they were supposed to. Because I was dehydrated, my muscles weren't operating in the way they were supposed to act. The way that I usually would operate was not happening because I was thirsty. Because I didn't actually fill myself with the physical substance that would allow my body to move in the optimal form. And so what I'm saying to some of us in this room, even through my own personal example, is some of us have been being bad doctors, self-prescribing things that only fix the symptoms and you never deal with the source. And so as we're in this message today, I believe that we're going to grab this, that we're going to get this, and that we're going to be a people that actually deal with the source. Somebody say amen. amen. Please pay attention to this extreme major key for life right now. This is a critical scripture that's a foundational scripture in the word. Many of you have heard it before, but I want you to hear it with new ears. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Turn to your Bibles or version Bible app. It says this. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his what? And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Somebody say a big amen to that. See, what Jesus was saying right here, he's saying, I have everything you need. If you can focus on me, if you can come to me, if you can seek me, my kingdom, my way of doing things, my righteousness, all this other stuff that you're searching for, as long as it's in my will and it's in my plan, it's easy. But what we do so often is that we go after all these things and God is saying through Jesus, I need to realign your thinking. I need to bring you back to focusing on me and me alone. And so he wants to realign these things. He wants to show us what it means to be fulfilled when we hunger and thirst. And so as I keep using these words, hunger and thirst, I want to kind of just break them down for you because I don't want us to go with a, a random understanding of what I mean. In the Greek, and I want to give you this note for those who may be new to studying the Bible or new to uh, the Christian faith, the New Testament is translated in the Greek. And so a lot of times when we're actually giving these words, we want to give you the original understanding so that you can actually be a good student of the word. Amen? When we look at these words, hunger and thirst, in the Greek, hunger is actually pronounced in the Greek, penal, penal. It means to strongly desire, strongly desire, while thirst is actually pronounced dipsal, dipsal. It means to desire strongly, and it's a figurative extension of a spiritual need that only God can satisfy. As I was praying, even reading this morning and kind of just meditating on the word today, there was another thing that, uh, that the Lord just kind of showed me uh, in the scriptures is that thirst actually means to suffer for thirst. So when you see Jesus using this right here, he's saying to suffer for thirst, to have a hunger that is insatiable. 
And so I said a couple weeks ago uh, that as we read the Bible, that every single thing in the Bible is intentional. That God, through his word, is trying to show us certain keys. He's trying to show us certain clues. He's trying to give us insight. And when you actually start to study the nuance of even the usage of these words by Jesus in this particular moment, these particular two words are both stated in the present tense. Now, some of y'all was like, that's deep. And some of y'all was like, why does that matter? It was in the present tense because what he's really saying is that those who continually hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Not that back in the day I used to be hungry. Back in the day, I used to be thirsty. When I first came to the Lord, you know, I used to go to church all the time, but now I go once every two months. He's saying those who hunger and thirst continually, perpetually will be filled. And so you could actually say it was said like this. It's going to be on the screen. Blessed, happy are those who are constantly hungering and thirsting after righteousness, for they shall be completely and totally satisfied. And so here's a statement that I want you just to kind of take in, and then if you want, I want you to write this down. Your continual hunger for righteousness and the right things has to be what guides your life. Your continual hunger for righteousness and the right things have to be what actually guide your life. Now, before I kind of share this piece with you, I want to give a disclaimer. Um, we're not taking orders for at least two weeks. She might say longer, at least two weeks. But I, I want to kind of share something with you because you may think, like my wife usually doesn't know what I'm going to preach before I come up here, so she's surprised when she's used as an example, a sermon illustration, so pray for her even right now. My wife is a phenomenal, even self-taught chef. She can cook some stuff, y'all, that we go to restaurants and we're like, this all you got? This week alone, she made me so many great dishes that, that I, 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 I got some flowers for you today. I, I, I just got convicted right now. I need to get you some flowers today. She loves flowers. But listen, this week alone, she made me broiled Branzino. Google's Branzino. <laughs> listen, she didn't stop there. She made me a fried lobster tail and bacon po' boy. She made me steelhead trout this week with my favorite sides, that, that uh, sweet potato and spinach. That's my go-to meal. She made all these things, and I'm not just talking about this to brag on her and just to make her feel good. What I'm saying is I want to make this point because when I know she's cooking like this, she cooks like this probably three or four times a week for me. She's always making sure that her husband is fed. Amen. Praise God. All the men should say amen. And the women. Amen. She makes sure that I'm fed. She makes sure that I have good, substantive meals. And what happens is that when I know she's cooking like this, there are times when I'm coming home and I'm passing conveniently, you know, fast food restaurants, Chick-fil-A, you know, all these different things. But what I do is I make sure that I pass by those things because what I don't want to do is show up and she has this big grand meal for me and then I show up and I'm already satisfied temporarily by Chick-fil-A. That I show up and she's put all this labor in and I've taken a convenient snack to go in the place of a very thought out meal. And so what I have to do often is that it's not that it's always easy because that cookie calls me from Chick-fil-A. 
That peach shake calls me from Chick-fil-A. I know y'all are like, you're fit. I work out to eat. And so I come home, and when I come home, I'm thankful because what I don't want to do is I don't want to disrespect the source. I don't want to disrespect the source by taking an imitation version of substance. I'm going to say it for this side of the room. Some of us, we don't know that God has a big grand meal that's going to give you all the substance that you need. But what you do is you fill up on snacks. What does your snack look like? What skin tone does your snack have? How tall or how short or how wide is your your snack? It's not just about people. What kind of engine does your snack have that you're feeding and getting your substance from? Does your snack have a V6 or a V12? And see, what I want us to know is that many of us, what we're doing is that we don't understand that what we fulfill our appetites with is the big issue. And what we do is that we often let our appetites for the immediate disqualify us from the benefits of the eternal. And God is challenging us right now to not just be so consumed with the temporary that we forget the eternal. To go get so caught up with what's in proximity that we don't pass by that for what is really ours and what's really secure. And so I want to just say this to all of us. I don't want snacks that's going to diminish my appetite. Let let me talk to some of us in the room that, that may not be feeling like I'm talking to you, even the church people in the room. You know, some of us, we fill up on experiences of God instead of experiencing God. We'll come in an environment and lift our hands, Jesus, and then we like go home and we're not even talking to Jesus. And he's like, you lifted your hands when you were in front of all those people. What about in your private time? I want to fill you, and I don't want you just to kind of fill up on a snack of a 60-second clip on Victory Midtown's page. I want you to dig into the word to receive what God has for you so that you can live with substance. And so I want to say this because I I believe this is a confession for all of us. Say this with me. Say, I don't want snacks. I want the substance of God. Come on, say it one more time. Say, I don't want snacks. I want the substance of God. Somebody needs to delete a snacks number out of their phone right now. Let me stop meddling. This word usage for hunger and thirst. Let me move on. It's so important, this this particular word usage for hunger and thirst, because why? All of us have physical and spiritual appetites. That's how God made us. He didn't make you to not have an appetite. He just made you to actually fill up on the right thing. And so as we talk about appetites, here's a few. There's four main ones that I want to talk about. We have physical appetites, and we have an appetite for food. And when we don't eat, many of us, our stomachs start to speak in tongues to us and say, I'm hangry. You know, we got to get it together. We have emotional appetites, where we have an appetite and longing for love, to be loved, to have companionship, to be in relationship. Can I get all my single people to say amen? And can I get all my married people to look at your spouse and say, remember that later? <laughs> we have mental appetites. We have an appetite to be seen and noticed, to be recognized and applauded, to be recognized for our accomplishments. And then we have spiritual appetites. 
Our spirit has an appetite for a deep, intimate relationship with God. But the challenge is, if we're really honest, oftentimes what we do is we feed the first three with stimulants. Temporary things that bring us up for a moment but bring us down to a big crash. We starve our actual spiritual appetite by giving to our fleshly appetite, which leads us to a life of stimulation without satisfaction. And what we do, we wonder, why do I keep choosing the wrong type? Why do I keep going down this road? Why do I act one way in public, but I'm really feeling miserable in private? It's because we walk with stimulants instead of operating in satisfaction. And so I want to illustrate this for you just for a moment. This particular water, this cup here, it represents our bodies. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 through Paul that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit to actually bring to bear what God's presence is in the earth. We are containers. We are containers. We're vessels. And as we put this vessel down and we kind of think about it, these balls right here, they're ping pong balls. They're hollow. They represent snacks. They represent something that looks firm on the outside, but very empty on the inside. And this water here represents the living water of God. That when we're filled with the living water of God, he gives us substance. And so for, you came to church today, so I'm going to give us a little bit of spirit. Just a little spirit. You came to church. And so you have that on the inside of you as a baseline. But when we look at these things, they represent these snacks, and this, this first one represents entertainment. It's the movies, it's the restaurants, it's Netflix and chilling until you can't do it anymore. And many times what we're doing is we fill up on that. This next one represents sex. It's lust, it's porn, it's inappropriate relationships with him or her, it's fluidity, it's trying to do all these things, trying to actually quench this appetite, and so we fill up with that. This next one represents something that all of us can relate to. It represents shopping, materialism, excessiveness. Your closet has a closet. I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. But what we do is we fill up on things that are material trying to cover our inside condition. This next one represents social media where we're trying to get affirmation. We're trying to get, you know, checks and comments. So we do all type of things. We look all types of ways. We walk away slowly so people can see certain angles. Who's holding that camera? We fill up on these things. This represents adrenaline where you have to just do something extreme. You need to be risky. You need to jump out of a plane just to feel fulfilled. I know no shade on that, but just take a walk. We fill up on that. And then this last one represents drugs and alcohol, escapism, where we're doing something to actually suppress how we really feel. I don't have a habit. I just like to sip a little something. We fill up with those snacks. Whatever your thing is that I did not name right there, we need to understand that we are all, all of us. Can I say all? Say all. All, all of us are filling up on snacks that will not fulfill us for the eternal. And all these things, what we need to understand, they are temporary fixes to things that God wants entry in into your life so that you can be fulfilled. J.N. Darby says this. He says this. He says, to be hungry is not enough. I must be really starving to know what is in his heart towards me. 
What he's really saying is that it's not enough just to be parched, to be a little hungry. I just need an appetizer. He's saying you need to be hungry. Somebody say hungry. You need to be hungry. So I need you to write this question down. It's an interrogative question for you to just go back on Thursday and actually ask yourself this question. What am I feeding my spirit with? What am I feeding my spirit with? And so if we say that we need to hunger and thirst after righteousness, what does righteousness mean? When we first hear that many times, we've all heard righteousness is right standing. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when we look at the particular context right here for these three Beatitudes that came before it and even the ones that will come after it, I believe right here righteousness means, and he's talking about justification and sanctification. Justification and sanctification. I'll break that down in a moment. In other words, what Jesus is trying to get us to see about this need to hunger and thirst after righteousness is that he wants us to know that the act of hungering and thirsting puts us in a position where we say, the desire that I have is to be free from sin and all of its forms and in every manifestation. I want to soberly just land on that for a moment. I'm going to read that again. The desire for righteousness is the act of hungering and thirsting for where it ultimately means that we have the desire to be free from sin and all its forms and in every manifestation. I believe the Lord just slowed me down right there because some of us, we've been in church for years over and over again, and just because they didn't call your specific thing, you're like, well, he ain't talking to me. In every manifestation that you know is not of God. And so if we have these, un- these things and we know that there are things in hungering and thirsting after righteousness that it should produce, I want to give us three things that it should produce really quickly. Number one, hungering and thirsting for righteousness creates a desire to be right with God a desire to be right with God. What does that mean? It's a desire to have a right relationship with God. It's a desire to understand that because of the fall of Adam, sin actually makes me not in right relationship with God, but because of Jesus' sacrifice, he put me back in right fellowship with God. What this is, is a craving to walk with God. Can I ask this question? Have you ever craved something that you had to get it, that you couldn't rest, that you couldn't stop? I know some of the uh, people who have had children in here, you understand that, but I'm going to let you know, I have some cravings sometimes, and I'm like, I'm going to push that back, I'm going to move that, I need to go get this right now. Why? Because what we crave after, if we're not careful, it can redirect the things that we're really supposed to be walking in. And so we want to make sure that our cravings are rightly aligned, that we crave God and God alone, and that we're not craving things that we think fulfill us or that appear to fulfill us, we're craving the substance of God, Amen. And so when we grab this, I want to read the scripture. You've probably heard this before. Some of you, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He's saying, as the deer pants for the water. See, every living thing needs water. Just like my body was suffering from dehydration, every living thing not only needs natural water, but needs the living water, Jesus Christ. And so he's saying right here, as the deer pants, I'm panting, I'm craving, I'm needing, I'm wanting. And so as we grab this and we take hold of this, sin separates us from God, but we have an opportunity to walk in right relationship with God. And I'll just share about myself. I remember when I wasn't walking with God. It was almost like I was oblivious to what I was missing. But one day when grace collided with my messed up life, 
There was something in my spirit that woke up and said, this has been available for me all this time. And it's the Holy Spirit saying, I will not let you just go by and live a regular life if you will tap into this living water. And I believe there's some people in this room right now that you know, as you've been saying, there's something more. I got to get it. I want to crave it. Jesus is saying, I will answer you because you're craving me. So here's the thing that I want to say. The relationship of craving and walking with God is what we all should desire. Above being with somebody else, above being with her or him, we need a desire to be in relationship with God. Number two, a desire to be free from sin. Hunger and thirsting for righteousness creates a desire to be free from sin. Let me just kind of move one one step forward and give a B clause. Not only does it create a desire to be free from sin, it actually creates a desire to not even desire that sin. See, it's one thing to have self-restraint. I'm not talking about self-restraint. I'm not talking about self-help. I'm not talking about I'm actively celibate right now because I'm so strong. I'm talking about you see them, they look good, you're married, so you shouldn't even be going down that train. That not only do you see them and not act on it, you see them and your mind goes to the thankfulness and the grace of God for your spouse. That the desire has been taken away for somebody else outside of the covenant of marriage. I'm going to sit right here for a minute because I don't believe that we sometimes understand that God can deliver you even from the desire of certain sins. That you don't have to be subject to sin saying, oh, I just can't help it. You can help it because God said he paid it all for you. Come on, somebody needs to believe that right now. I'm stepping into something right now. I'm feeling this heavy right here in this atmosphere. Because what we've done is we've conditioned ourselves in the common contemporary church to just look the other way. God is not looking the other way. Righteousness is saying, I don't want anything that I can do to take me out of direct fellowship. And sin and God's fellowship cannot be in the same place. And so if you're wondering why you've been praying and reading your Bible, but you've still been doing all the same things, and you're not hearing from God, that's the hang up. I'm sorry to let you know, you're not going to have a close relationship with God if you prioritize sin over his righteousness. And so the Bible tells us right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, it says, and such were some of you. Let me pause for a minute. Because sometimes when we kind of preach stuff like this, people are like, oh, you're being judgmental. No, what, what Paul is saying right here, he addressed in the verses before this all the wilding out they were doing. And what he knew is that he had to speak to them so that they wouldn't be religious looking down on people saying, because I'm delivered from that thing, I can call you out for that thing. Just because your struggle is not my struggle doesn't mean I condemn you for the struggle. Because we all, somebody say all, we all got something that we're dealing with. Facts. We all have something that we're dealing with. So he says this, and such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I need you to write this down and understand this clearly. Justification is what Jesus did. Sanctification is you surrendering to what Jesus did. Let me say it one more time for my people in the overflow. Listen to this. Justification is what Jesus did. 
And sanctification is you surrendering to what Jesus did. And so what this means is that you will, let me just be very honest. I don't want to give you this pie in the sky gospel. You will be tempted. There will be things that you'll go through that you have to overcome. But the Bible says, he who endures temptation will receive the crown of life. And so I just want to invite you. I'm hearing this in my spirit right now. I want to invite some people into a next level, a level up with God. Because you've been wanting and craving this next level, but you've been bumping your head on that same sin. Bumping your head on that same sin. And God is saying, I can break it. I feel the breaker in this place right now. He's saying, I can break it. The generational sins that you felt like I just have to take, he said he can break it. The things that have been plaguing you from your mama's mama, from your grandmother, from your great-grandmother, that you feel you can't get over, he is saying he can break it. The grace of the Lord is here. Can I get you to lift your hands right now? This is totally unprompted. Father, I believe right now that you have called some people to this place in this moment intentionally because you want them so bad that you don't want any sin to be between you and them. Father, I pray right now that our hearts are open, our minds are open. We'd even declare that we give submission of our bodies to you right now to live as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. Father, I'm declaring right now that generational curses are no longer, and we walk in generational blessing upon blessing upon blessing because of the choices that we made to overcome sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I'm praying even right now that as people leave here today and they get tempted by something that comes on their phone, a DM, a text message, an email, Father, whether it's a, a financial opportunity that you know is not of you, God, I thank you right now that we will overcome temptation and we shall receive the crown of life in Jesus' name. Somebody put your hands together if you accept that, if you believe it. Come on, you need to do better than that. Something just changed in your life. Something just shifted in your generation. See, I'm not playing right now. Something just shifted for your children's children's children. I'm talking about your baby cousin just got changed. I'm talking about your auntie. She's feeling the spirit right now on her, wherever she is. Y'all are going to get calls and texts today. Something shifted in my life. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 The grace of the Lord is here for us to walk in a new level of righteousness. See, I'm tired of hearing people say, oh, this generation, they're just in this passive Christianity. I'm tired of hearing people saying, oh, no, you know, we don't do it like that anymore. No, as long as the word says it, we do it. As long as God said it, we do it. We believe it and that settles it. And so I believe that I don't just show up here and step up here on this platform to give you a nice sermon. I believe that we are snatching people out of darkness and taking them into the marvelous light. I believe that lives are on the line because God says it's so important that you become everything that he calls you to be, that he would not count it robbery to slow down and speak directly, directly to you in the spirit. Some of us don't know that God loves you so much that when we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, we kind of just look at it as a historical story. 
But think about somebody sacrificing their only beloved for somebody who's going to look at them and say, I'm not even ready to take that yet. That spits in the face of God because we say, oh, I enjoyed this immediate thing more than I enjoyed the eternal. That we dig into certain things because it's making us immediate money right now, not knowing that it's really costing us our very souls. And so I believe that we're here to be a change. See, when I say words, I don't just say it because it sounds good. I believe that the world can change from right here at Victory Midtown because you accept the word and you walk it out. So I don't apologize for the passion of our God. Do this with me one more time. Just lift your hands right now. Say, Lord, fill me with your desire. Fill me with your truth. Let my decisions be led by you. Let me pause and actually receive what you have done. Because you have plans to prosper me, to give me a great hope, and to give me a great future. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Put your hands together right now. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, as obedient children, Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. When I was writing that and thinking about it, the Lord just made me pause and say, some people need to hear in this room that they can be holy. Some of us have discounted ourselves of walking in holiness because of what we did in the past. Some of us have even stayed away from church for a long time because you felt like you were disqualified, because you don't have the pedigree, because you weren't built like this other person, because your thing wasn't their thing. But I'm here to let you know you can be holy. Being holy is not that you have to not live. Being holy is that you actually do get to live the abundant life. And so it's kind of funny, but I want to talk about this a minute just when it comes to, you know, sin activating and actually conforming and changing the the composition of our lives. Many of us, we don't realize that the sin that we're walking in actually affects what's coming out. Has anybody in here ever heard of hunger breath? Somebody said, I smelt it. (laughs) I'm making a point. Listen. As I was thinking about this, the Lord just, he brings very kind of interesting things to my remembrance. But as I was thinking about this, I I just went down this rabbit trail and started doing some study, and I found that truly, medically, it is stated that hunger breath is a real thing. That when you actually find yourself in a deficit of nourishment on the inside, what happens is that your body composition reflects that on the outside. And so even in that vein, if you've seen us do a 21-day fast, you know, we make sure we have mints all the way around here. Because what we don't want to happen is that you're up there getting prayed for, and you're not hearing nothing that person's saying. You're saying, Lord, deliver me from this stench of death. (laughs) 
But the reality is, many of us don't understand the inward condition of our lives is actually coming out through the external result. And so just like hunger breath, just like the composition of your body and your spirit has changed, when we actually fill up with the right things, we're not actually putting our body at a deficit. We're not putting our spirit at a deficit. We're able to say, God, I smell like you. My scent is yours. I'm attractive. I'm not repelling because I'm attractive because of the word of God living in and through me and coming out of my life. And so when I go to speak to people, they're not running away. They're saying, tell me more. And so I believe right here in this place, God wants to make you agents of change that every time you speak, people feel and smell God. That every time you speak and everywhere you go, you show up on the scene and say, something's different about you. Tell me about the one you believe. Tell me about the one who saved you. Tell me about the one who can deliver you. Because if he can do it for you, I know he can do it for me. And so we have to grab this and understand that God does not want this sin to actually preclude us from walking in his ways. Which leads me to this last thing. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness creates a desire to be holy. It creates a desire to be holy. And like I said, I realize that holiness sometimes is a word that kind of repels some people because of how it's been used. But here's what the Lord gave me. When we look at the word holy, H-O-L-Y, the Lord just prompted me and said, not only do I want to make them H-O-L-Y, I want to make them W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy filled with me, holy packed with me, where there's no other room for anything else where there's no other room for sin because they are so full with me that they can't even enter, have sin enter into their lives. And so I believe that, again, we are in a place, we are in a season, as we say we're going to be blessed, that we are a people who are filling up holy with the things of God, and we walk holy. Somebody say amen to that one right there. Here it is, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to God, to you. God is light, and him there is no darkness at all. And so when we talk about being made in the image of God, we have to know that as we're made in the image of God, as there's no darkness in him, we can have no darkness in us. And so we need to take that posture and anything that looks dark that's trying to come in, we're able to say, nope, I don't even have room for you. Some of us, I just heard this in the spirit, some of us need to put on our page today, no vacancies. Some of you need to make on your wall today, you need to put no vacancies. What that means is that I used to have room for your foolishness. I used to have room for your sin in my life. I used to have room for you to pull me back. But today I'm saying no vacancies. And in the captions, I'll say, I'm full of God. I'm full of God. I'm full of God. Somebody needs to celebrate that because when you're full of God, you operate in the ways of God. Here's the final thing that I want to say. Listen. When we take on this pursuit of righteousness, we shift from what the world often says, that we to go after life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I believe we're now starting to be a people who say, I'm going to go after life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness. And when we do that, we're able to be changed in the image of God. We're able to go day by day and walk in what he has for us to walk in. Because here's the thing, whether you didn't get it already, we can never fill ourselves. The only time that we're going to have substance that's going to fill us is if we say, God, you fill me up. And so John 6, I want to close with this scripture. John 6, verse 37 says, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. The message version says it like this. 
Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and don't let go. I came down from heaven not to follow my own agenda, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. Here's the promise. As we talk about this and say, hey, this represents the fullness, the living water of God. And all of my life, I've just had a little spirit. I've just had a little bit of the living water, but I've filled my container. I've filled my life with snacks that don't fulfill me. God is saying, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, I can feel you. And I can feel you. And as I start to feel you, those things that were snacks, those things that used to give you substance, those things that tried to be in place of me, those things can no longer. Sometimes you got to do a little work. Sometimes you got to do a little work. Sometimes you got to work with God. Somebody say, I'm going to work with God. He might not do it all. He said, you have to be an active participator in my grace because as you open yourself up, I will fill you again. Somebody say, fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Can we stand to our feet all over the room? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all know it's, it's, it's good to have fun in church. The way I want to close today, I really want to put an exclamation mark on what God has done today because for some of us, we need to be able to carry, all of us, we need to be able to carry this on. And so I want to make a call for two types of people, and I need y'all just to be patient with me for a moment. I'm talking about for those in the room and those in the overflow. As a matter of fact, I want to even ask the overflow to come into the room and just find a spot on the back wall because I want all of us to grab this. Two calls that I have. The first call it's for the person that says, for the very first time, I, I know that I recognize I've been unsatisfied. That I've been operating in a full version of fulfillment. And today I'm saying, God, I'm tired of feeding myself on things that don't fulfill me. I need Jesus as the living water. I need Jesus as the bread of life to be my fulfillment. If that's you, I don't want you to be ashamed. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I want to pray for you. I want you to come down front right now because we're saying if we're really hungry, when we're really hungry, we go after. We don't care about other people. When we're really hungry, we don't worry about what somebody's looking at us like. When we're really hungry, we're saying enough is enough. The second call is for those who would say, I've been serving God for a long time. I, I know that I've given my life to Christ. I know my eternity is secure, but if I'm honest, if I'm for real, for real, I've been doing a lot of snacking. And today I want to trade in my snacks for substance. Today I want to trade in those things that temporarily fill me and that take up room from me operating in the fullness of God. And I want to fully go after God like never before. If you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness that way, I want to invite you down to this altar so that I can pray for you, so that we can actually take a moment with no distractions to go after God. I'm not even asking the prayer leaders to come down now because this is a moment with you and God. And so for the next few moments, as they sing and minister this song, I want all of us to, like never before, go after God with a hunger and a thirst that is palatable. 
I'm believing even in these next few moments, some of you are going to feel God in your body presently, uh, tangibly in a way that you've never felt before because you're going to go after him like you never went before. And so all over the room, can we just lift our hands for a moment? What we're saying is, Lord, we surrender to you. Come on, come on down close, come on down close. If you don't make it all the way down to the altar, you can stand in the aisle, but make a step. You're saying to God and you're saying to the enemy, you're saying, I'm no longer going to operate in snacking. I'm going to go after the fullness of God. So as we sing this song, let's just lift your worship up however you need to do it and fully go after the Lord.